Coming to you from Grandma's dorm room in Coffeeville, Kansas, you are listening to The Wrong Kind of Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to the Wrong Kind of Podcast. Today in the studio, we have a different mix of folks here. Uh, Megan is over here to my left. But we have the uh, the king and queen of coffee in oh. Coffeeville. Yes. Wow. Yes, you guys really are because that coffee is good stuff, man. I had some a minute ago. I'm a little Dang. jealous. You, you did not bring anything home for me other I, than, I mean, I got goodies, but there was no coffee waiting for me when I got home. We are talking about Ron and Lydia Bryce, uh, <laughs> Rep Ron and his wife what are you the, the queen. queen of coffee She's the queen. oh my I or you can be the, the baroness of the bean <laughs> that's it okay i'll there take it that is. all right i call her it. the first lady of coffee you know i almost Ooh, I like was gonna do sure. that but i thought i don't know man I, okay but i like it i mean you know because there are no other big reps around here so i guess that would be yours first lady baroness of the bean baroness of the bean i'll take it so what's going on this week representative ron bryce well, I'll tell you what, it's it's really getting into the, I would say, the intense part of the session. We have about three weeks to go before the first break, and we're getting into a lot of issues that people find contentious. One of them this week that seemed to be the most controversial or the most emotional was the education bill, Senate Bill 83. Uh, it had been passed by the Senate, came over to the House, and what it provides for, well, let me just back up. When I, a year ago, right now, I didn't know I was going to be a representative. I didn't really have plans. I, in fact, first time I've ever been to Topeka in my life was about a year ago. <laughs> and so, uh, and then about, you know, in the later month or two later, uh, the uh, seat opened up and I started campaigning door to door. And what surprised me was how many people wanted to talk about education, about schools, school boards student things, a uh, wide variety of educational topics. And so when I went to Topeka, the, the really the, the two things that I had mostly in mind was uh, lowering taxes and doing something about the problems with education because the, the problems even the school boards and school superintendents would mention is there's not enough teachers. We can't, we can't hire enough teachers, uh, teacher morale, uh, morale in the, uh, in the schools, uh, school Test proficiency scores too low, uh, uh, funding issues, um, parents that are upset with curriculum and don't, you know, sometimes it's, you know, uh, for whatever reason, they, they feel like it's a, a contentious thing between the, the school board and the parents. And so I kept running into this. And what happened is this, this uh, bill came up this week, which addresses a bunch of these things. What it does, one of the biggest things in education in Kansas is funding special education. And for years, special education hasn't been fully funded, and the state is blamed. However, it's the federal government's fault because the state does its part. Federal government is like $70 million too short, and by law they're supposed to fund it, but they don't, and we can't make them. And so we get blamed for not fully funding special education. So this bill fully funds special education by doing what the federal government's supposed to do and they're not doing. It raises teacher salaries. I believe it's over $100 million we're putting in this bill to raise teacher salaries in, in, in public education across the board. 
I have mixed feelings about that, not because I, I don't want to raise teacher salaries. Is I think it should be a local issue. School boards should use the money they have to, to, to make decisions about salaries and so forth. But we're, we're, we're just going to take this bull by the horns, and we decided we're going we're gonna to give millions of dollars designated to raise teacher salaries. Also, we're going to put parents in the driver's seat more parents will be able to have an educational savings account. And this is the tricky part. This is the sticky part uh, with uh, a lot of the uh, school board people and so forth is educational savings account. Because right now in Kansas, we spend $20,000 per student in public education. This would take 5,000 of that, have it follow the student to whatever school they want to go to and pay for, you know, curricula, uh, computer, books, uh, uniforms, etc. The the other fifteen thousand that the school boards used to get, they will continue to get what they used to get, but the uh, there will be uh, uh, after two to four years, it it will have the highest. Uh, let me back up with that. The highest level of enrollment over the last two to four years is what they're going to be paid for. Tw- okay. Basically, twenty thousand dollars a student. Mm-hmm. So if if you have a thousand students next year, you have nine hundred students. Well. You don't get paid for nine hundred. You get paid for the full thousand. If it goes up to eleven hundred, well, you get paid for eleven hundred. It's the highest. It's you know it goes up, uh, it to so that there's not a a precipitous drop in funding of, of education. So that the there will it will it will preserve funding for private for public schools. It will put parents in control. Where it say you have four kids, three four kids, you can't afford to go to a private school uh, can't really afford to homeschool well this this puts you in the driver's seat as a as a parent and allows you to do some of these things that you otherwise wouldn't be able to do and so there are a lot of positive things about this and i'm very supportive of of senate bill 83 um one one way it came to me uh yesterday and I, i was just thinking about this is if you have we have four kids and and they were in public school for some time our kids are all different, you know, all four are very unique, very different, and they need, had different needs. And so we homeschooled for a while. We had private school for a while. They were in public school for a while. You know, you have to adjust to what your child needs. And if you have four kids, and I was th- calculating, uh, I hate to say this, I was in the shower. I'm taking a shower. I'm calculating. Okay. That's we have tw- an E on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you might want to yeah, cut that out. Yeah. The... Uh, that's eighty thousand a year, which would be over thirteen years K through twelve. That's a million dollars. And so, I was a guy called in the radio station I was on this morning, and he said, oh, "I have four kids, and da 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 da." I said, "Congratulations, you're a millionaire. All the people paying property taxes and all this all around you have just given you a million dollars for your kids to be educated in public schools." And I think you know when you start thinking about it in those terms, you start to see these numbers are huge. One family, a million dollars. Well, what are we getting for a million dollars? I think we have to really look at that. And, and I am all for public education. I'm all for funding public education. But honestly, some of the proficiency, some of the standardized scores are abysmal. And something has to be done. There has to be some reformation of public education to have people have confidence that when the kids get out of school, they, they're able to get a job. They're able to be ready for college and not take an extra year to, you know, college preparation after you graduate from high school. And so 
there really needs to be some reforms. And what I like about this Senate Bill 83 is it, it helps kids get to the place in, in sight of education that's best for them, if it's homeschooling, if it's micro school, if it's a private school, whatever works best for them and uh, uh, gives the parents some control over what their child needs because who knows better what a child needs than the parents. And uh, so this is something we're doing with uh, education. The bill passed on uh, Thursday. I'm sorry, on Tuesday it passed very narrowly. Uh, it passed in the Senate, so we'll see what the governor does. Uh, there's a chance she would veto that, and we'd have to try and override a veto. But I am supportive of it because I think – it will help public education. It will help students. It will help put parents in the driver's seat. It will fully fund special education, and it will raise teacher salaries. And for the life of me, I can't see how it could be a negative. I have. Uh, I'm glad that you brought this one up because I have, as a teacher, I, I have lots of teacher friends on my social media stuff, and um, most of them are not uh, feeling very positive about some of what they are seeing come through. And I know they're all worried about this like school voucher thing that we seems to be that hot button topic, no matter what. Right. And because they think that they're going to lose money, but trying to explain that you might lose money, but that depends on the number of kids you have. And it should be quote unquote, I guess, equitable to the, to the student ratio that you have. Like, so you shouldn't just continue to keep the same amount of money that you get every year if your students are choosing to do other things, like if go other places or whatever, if you're losing students to other districts because parents move or because they're homeschooling or, or going to a private school, whatever. But um, being a teacher in the private sector uh, as opposed to the public sector now, and I've been on both sides, mm-hmm. and I've been on the school board for the public school, so I, I've been on about three sides of it, I guess. But... Um, and more as a parent of a private school student, I am so thankful because, I mean, we, we live here and we're consistently and we still will be. I mean, that's just part of living in a community. We will we are still paying to a school district that our child no longer attends. I mean, but I would say the same thing if um, if our kiddos were graduated and we didn't have any kids, we're still paid for exactly. a school district that our child doesn't attend. But the fact that we do have a kiddo that we are having to pay tuition for and would be paying tuition for. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate that there's some thought into that. And I know that curriculum has been hot button for, you know, the entire nation really about who gets to decide when and, and what children are taught. Well, that should be the parents. Mm -hmm. And, um, sometimes they make that decision by deciding that that's not where their kiddo needs to be. And that's okay. Um, Anyway, yeah, so I, I'm glad that you guys are, that that's a, a topic that's being addressed and that there um, is some headway. Is the ex, the um, the higher pay for the teachers, is that sustainable? Well, it has, well, let me put it this way. Over, it, it, it is, um, since the Gannon decision several years ago, there it's tied to uh, a consumer price index, and so it increases year by year. Actually, there's been an increase from 2022 to 2024. There's an increase of $600 million. Uh, so, yes, it goes up. It never goes down. Right. Never. And, <laughs> and so if you're thinking that way, sustainable. But one thing you were mentioning, I think what the two things you're talking about kind of come down to accountability. Accountability 
for the money that's being put in educational savings account and accountability for the curriculum and what's being taught. Mm -hmm. And so those are the two issues that I initially had a lot of concern about. The accountability financially has been addressed. Uh, it's not a, people aren't being given a, a bag of money and saying, go educate your kids. Right. It's an educational savings account that's set up in digital current, I mean, uh, with debit cards and digital currency. Uh, the treasurer, Kansas treasurer monitors every single transaction in real time as far as financial, uh, what you purchase you make with that money that's dedicated to education. It's mm -hmm. actually a more strict uh, accountability than what you would what you would experience in other schools or public schools. The other thing is curriculum accountability. And I always, I always uh, want to say accountable to who? Uh, if we have, for instance, there, there's one school in this listening audience that in one category, 10th grade math is 3% of the 10th graders are proficient. 97% are not proficient. And they say they have accountability. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm saying, well, we're going to be accountable. This is this bill is to, to make them accountable because that is horrible. Mm -hmm. That's horrendous. There has to be some, there are some school districts where nobody is proficient in math or English. And if we have an agency looking at schools and saying, yep, nobody's proficient, that's accountability. No, I think p we need to have parents accountable. I think we need to have taxpayers more somehow directly accountable or have, have accountability for, for what's going on. I think the people who need to be the ones in charge of accountability are the parents. And, and people that I talk to when I go door to door this summer, you know, in the 100 degree heat, going door to door, trying to get elected, time and time again, I run into parents who feel there's not accountability because of what they their students tell them they're being taught. You know, I, a lot, I know a lot of things are blown out of proportion, and you hear about something in San Francisco that's happening, you think it's happening in Caney. Mm -hmm. No, maybe not. But there are some things where the, the public schools need to be more accountable to the parents, definitely need to be more accountable to the taxpayers. We, we spend over half the money in the state of Kansas on K through 12 education. It's not sustainable to increase this amount year after year after year. We have no more money. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're reaching the end of that well. It's drying up. We cannot, you know, the answer to every problem in public education that I hear is more money, more money, more money. There is no more money. We're spending billions and billions of dollars. We're spending, just think about this. If have you ever been to a Justin? You ever been to a like a Super Bowl party? Somebody orders a big pizza. Yes, sir. And you got ten guys, and one first guy goes over and he eats more than half the pizza, and leaves you know less than half the pizza for everybody else. Mm -hmm. it, it, that's not that's not fair. Yeah, it's not it's not cool, man. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, but uh, you know the. Public education takes over half the money in the state budget, K through 12, and then you add wow. in the, the community colleges and everything else, it's 62% or something like that. Everything else has to go into Medicaid and roads and bridges and security and state agencies. Well, there is no more money at some point. We have to do reform. And the answer to low test scores and 3% proficiency in math is not more money, more money, more money. This bill, Senate Bill 83, 
is a way to promote, uh, well, competition, mm-hmm. to promote choice, to break up a monopoly. I'm a little slow. Mm-hmm. Did you just say that half the state budget goes more to... Than. More, more than half. I was trying to be nice. <laughs> more than half of the total budget of the state of Kansas goes to K through 12 education? Correct. Wow. I don't money. think most people realize that. No, I just assumed it'd be, you know, you a know, chunk it, of the pie. I didn't you, know it'd be most of it. And I, 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 I want teachers to be paid a, a good wage, and I want teachers to have a raise. But when you think of a classroom of 25 kids, 20,000 a kid, that's $500,000 a year going to each classroom in the state. Why can't we pay the teachers more than 40000 a year? I guess I thought of it like that's 12 years of your life, and what's the average lifespan of a person? I just kind of figured it'd be 15 to 20% of the total budget because that's about how long you know, your total life you spend in school. I just assumed that it would. I was wrong. <laughs> wow. Well, and my brain goes to... We have communities all over Kansas, not not just here, not not just Montgomery County, but all over Kansas communities that are shrinking, mm-hmm. and we want to figure out ways to draw people to Kansas. Right? We need young families. Well, the way you do that is through schools that have high scores. Great schools right. draw families, and great private schools do too, actually, mm-hmm. and. Um, it was so interesting to me when, when Ron was telling me about the things he just talked about, the, the $5,000 and, you know, the $20,000. And I thought, well, my brain thought, well, let's say you had 10 students leave the, the public school and go to a private school. That private school gets, I guess the private school could get $50,000 if that savings account could go directly to the school. But the public school keeps, right. actually keeps $20,000 for that student for at least a couple of years, potentially. Well, right? It, it's, it's quite complicated, like a lot of things. The, the net that the school gets to keep out of all that is $7,000. So if, if, some, if a seat becomes empty in the public school, they still get 7000 of that twenty. Even if they fill that seat with another student, they still get it. So the school district... It's set up to where the school districts are not losing money in the short run. They have to they have to compete and, and improve in the long run. But the first two to four years, they are not losing money. They're being paid at the highest level. Right. And the, even if they fill a seat where someone left, it's kind of like double dipping. They get that mm. they get that the money mm. for that student too. But I, I I want I want to be sure that I don't come across as anti. Oh, public sure. education. Right. Yeah. I am passionate about this, but let me say I believe public education has to be fully funded. It has to be our future. That's the future of our kids, and we it just needs to be reformed. And in, in other states have done this sort of thing. They've done educational savings accounts like we're talking about. Arizona, F- Florida. Arizona, the, 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 the people, when, before it was done, the complaint was, what's well, going to destroy our rural schools because all the, the kids in the rural schools are going to leave and then the rural schools won't have funding and it'll destroy the public school system. So that's exactly the opposite of what happened. And believe it or not, the people who 
took advantage of educational savings account and had homeschooling or private schooling, their test scores went up. And the kids that stayed in public school because they wanted to stay in public school, their test scores went up. So I have to do with like less class sizes. I mean, smaller, smaller class, class sizes, sizes yeah. and people being in the environments where they learn the best. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's kind of counterintuitive to some people, but actually the test scores went up for the people who took advantage of the savings accounts and the people who stayed in public schools because smaller class sizes, they're in the place where they learn the best and there was choice. So they weren't all in one size fits all monopoly public education. They were able to go to the place where they learned the best, if it's their home, if it's their private school or wherever. And so the experience in Arizona, no rural schools closed. They thrived. Test scores went up. So uh, so I do hear uh, my, my education friends do warn that this is the Armageddon of public schools mm-hmm. if we have competition such as this. But I would point out that the experience and the track record over several years in other states that have done this shows the exact opposite. So I know it's a new thing and it's a scary thing for people that are in public education, and I get that. But if you look at the track record, if you look at the fact we're funding special education, we're raising teacher salaries, we're guaranteeing school funding, we're allowing parents to be in control and in control of the curriculum of the students. And I just think it's a win-win-win for everybody. And so I totally understand people who are afraid of change, who are afraid of a monopoly breaking up, but, you know, experience and track record in other places shows this. Well, I feel like I'm not saying any teacher or any specific administrator, Uh so calm down. I feel like across the board, I don't care what you do, sometimes you just get complacent and you just start phoning it in. Maybe this will be like, hey, if we just keep phoning it in, eventually we're going to have issue. So we need to start performing better because the people that are paying our our wages would like to see a little bit better uh, return on their investment. So is it? You might not know the answer to this. So sorry for putting you on the spot. But you can make it up. Uh, yeah. Well, you can do that, I guess. Um, so what's happening in Houston? Is that it? Houston right now, where the the I'm going to probably say, but in uh, the school district is being taken over by the state education board because of their, um, their low mm-hmm. performance. school. is that, do you know, is that a thing? Like, can that happen anywhere? Is that something that's just, is that just a Texas thing? It sounds like a Texas thing. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to take something. I actually didn't Texas. know. I had never thought yeah. about it before either. I, I want to say it's Houston. I might be way off on that, but there's a school district that was um, like, continuing to not do well, not performing well. And they came in and they're over the next few months, years, whatever they're uh, short term, they're replacing the school board of the place and all the administration and taking wow. over the, but wow, I just didn't know if that was a it thing. It is Houston. It's I just, Houston. you know, okay. Google's a great yeah, thing. Yeah. Everything's go to it. Google. Yeah. Yeah. The Texas education agency. Oh, okay. So maybe not over. a, not even a, I know wow. I didn't took it over. Yeah. Kinda like the banking deal. I, so when you started talking about accountability, that's where my mind went because it's, well, it's in the news right now. So I was like, oh, that's, I mean, that's like serious accountability, like loss of accreditation type. Well, if your schools are not performing, yeah, then your population is going to decline because guess what? Parents are going to leave that area mm-hmm. and go where the schools are good. Yeah, that's 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 real estate one hundred and one. I'm a <laughs> right. former realtor, so 
That's but, where my brain goes. That's yeah. great to know. But that also affects <laughs> like industry coming to town, right? Absolutely. Because uh, industry is going to look for a place to open up their next business. And if everybody's stupid there, they don't really want to come there. I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, like, it depends on this the is industry. not where we want to grow. <laughs> this is not where we want to grow our business. The, the soil is acidic, and nothing grows. Yeah, yeah, education is, you know, we talk about a population loss in Kansas, and that's something that's really bothering me, is some counties, like Montgomery County, yes. is losing 10% per mm-hmm. decade in, t- in population. That's not sustainable. That's that's an exes- existential threat over the next few decades. And the things that people look at when they're moving to a place are quality of life, education, and tax policy, those are the things that they're looking at, and and education plays such a key role. We have to have, we just have to have better outcomes in education. What are the consequences for the federal government for not holding up their end of the bargain? Is there? Are there any? We can't make them do anything is what I'm told. There's no accountability for no the recourse. federal government. No recourse. For instance, uh, you know, with Medicaid or funding or with, you know, different things. They they say they, they, it's by law they have to do something, and if they decide not to, they just decide not to. They, <laughs> they kind of write the laws. So. Huh. Well. That's, yeah. that's why, you know, don't want to bring up another subject, but mm. Medicaid expansion. That's, that's one thing that bothers me about that. The federal government is supposed to fund about 90% if we expand Medicaid, but nobody believes that. It's going to be right. 80%, it's going to be 70%, and then pretty soon the Kansas are going to be on the hook for another billion dollars a year, you know, so it yeah. looks really good, but, uh, uh, you know, hmm. we'll see. So what else did you learn this week? Well, I might get a pay raise. Right on. Woo-hoo. All right. Good deal. <laughs> no, it, good. they're, they're, uh, <laughs> <Shopping>. <laughs> my, my wife smiled at that hmm. one. No, it, you know, they, they pay us to go to Topeka, but it's basically just for our expenses. And, yeah. uh, you know, and that's part of the problem is, you know, Regular people have a regular job. They're raising a family. You can't take off three or four months out of the year and quit working and, and go make laws in Topeka and come back. Yeah. It's just not financially feasible. <clears throat> Excuse me. But they're, they're looking at, they have an outside commission they're appointing to look at other states and what they're doing with legislator pay and to see if, uh, you know, they could raise the pay for legislators. I have mixed feelings about it because I feel like, well... Well, one thing is, if if you go to the legislature and you look at the session, there it's all gray-haired old guys like me, you know, for the most part. And the, we need young blood in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the only way to get young blood in there is if you pay them enough to where they don't have to to go broke. And so I understand that. But on the other side, if we if we vote to raise our own pay, it kind of looks bad. Mm-hmm. And I, so I know where you're going. There's a, you know. To a degree, I've always thought that service should be a bit of a burden. Mm-hmm. It's not something that, and those folks in Washington, I don't know that it's that big of a burden anymore for them. They're making some good money because they don't seem to ever want to leave, mm-hmm. and they don't seem to want to rush home at the end of the deal. You know, there was some talk about local, how much them people get paid. They don't get paid. They get an iPad yeah, every iPad. two years. <laughs> so you want to yeah. do the math on a four hundred dollar iPad every two hundred years. And it's to do their job. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. It, I don't know. But then again, like you said, you do need some young blood. Yeah. But it, I don't know that it should be a profitable career. Maybe not a – maybe the word there is profitable. It, you shouldn't be punished 
for doing it, but I don't know that you should make a killing. I don't know. Yeah. There needs to be a medium ground there someplace. That's why they're they're trying to set up this commission to really look at other states and see what would be reasonable. But mm-hmm. whatever they do is fine with me. But, I mean, we, uh, you know, I'll just go home and work on the weekends or whatever. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, that's one thing they're looking at, you know. And uh, we're dealing with a lot of life issues, pro-life issues. Uh, uh, we... Yesterday we defined a man and a woman. And how'd, that, oh, how'd yeah. that come out? Did, well, did you get an official definition? Well, we we did. We uh, we figured out what a man and a woman are. I mean, you are a medical doctor. <laughs> I think you're probably a good one to discuss this. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's it's uh, kind of a funny thing to joke about, but really, it is something that needs to be done. And statute, Kansas statute, you know, it talks about men, it talks about women, but it never defines what a man and a woman is. And so nowadays, with all these people that are transitioning and and whatever, uh, it needed to be updated to where we say, okay, biologically, scientifically, this is a man, this is a woman, according to statute. So when a statute says a woman, this is what it's talking about. And so uh, we got into some of the biology, and and uh, we had a lot of, of conferees or people who testified who, who were saying, you can't define man and woman, it's all one continuum, mm. and this and that and the other, and... Uh, some of them were very well educated and uh, convincing, but in the end, we did define man and woman. The one amendment that we did yesterday that um, I think is good is medically, there are some people who are not clearly male or female. Now, we're not talking about millions of people, right. we're talking about a fraction of 1% of the population, but, but they do exist. Mm-hmm hermaphrodite, something like that. And so we did an amendment where when there's some differences of sexual development uh, that we recognize that and uh, uh, tied in the Americans with Disabilities Act to it. But it, but it kind of covered that, that tiny middle ground, but it preserved what we know to be man and woman as two distinct categories. So I think it's a good bill. We'll see if it passes on the House floor. It passed out of committee yesterday. And uh, so we'll see. Um, we did the men and women's sports. And uh, I, I was looking at my phone on the way over here, and I see the, the governor just vetoed that. Mm. But it's, uh, it was a, a bill to keep uh, biological men out of women's sports. I think that's very, very important to me. And, and to our family, especially, we we have a daughter Blair. We just saw her before we came over here. She's basketball player, NCAA Division One basketball player, and all this. And she's a coach. Well, and you think about Title Nine and all that's done for women's sports. It used mm-hmm. to be, I don't know, Justin, how old you are, but when we were kids, you know, girls didn't, you know, they were cheerleaders, and the boys play on the football yeah. team, and yeah. girls didn't have a lot of sports. Yeah. Well, Title Nine changed all that, and it's been a great thing for promoting women and supporting girls. Uh, well, if we have men competing on girls' teams, that destroys all yeah. those hard-fought gains that, that women have gotten over the years. Well, we, we passed a bill that said b- basically uh, biological men could not c- be competitors in, in women's sports, but also that they would not share the dressing room because that's, mm-hmm. we, we had testimony that's horrible about intact men undressing and being in the shower with women and, mm-hmm. and the, the, the the school officials telling the women if they had a problem with it, it was their problem. It wasn't the biological man's problem. And so we had testimony like that. And it's just things that breaks your heart that that's going on in, in, in some of the uh, uh, 
especially university level collegiate athletes. Um, but we passed that bill. Senate passed the bill. It makes all kinds of common sense to me to keep men out of women's dressing rooms and out of women's prisons uh, and off of women's teams. But uh, the governor, now I will say, uh, she in her campaign ads last time around said, of course, men don't belong in women's sports. And that was one of her main points in her campaign. It's obvious she was not being sincere because this is exactly uh, the thing that she's going against. It's what she campaigned for. Is there enough uh, support to override that veto? It's very narrow. We have 85 Republicans and, and 40 Democrats. We need two-thirds majority. So in other words, we need we need 84 Republicans to override a, re, a veto, and we have 85. There are two or three Republicans that basically always vote with the Democrats. So it's very, very close. I don't understand how a female governor... Because it wasn't that long ago that it was unheard of that a woman was going to run anything. You know, you just weren't going to do it. How she can support this, I don't get it. There, What was it? This is Women's Month, right? March? Isn't that? International Women's Day was just a few days ago. I heard on the radio the other day it was uh, yeah, Women's Yeah, but that was the History same day Month. that they announced. Yeah, some dude. Is um, the one of the year or something? Yeah, mm-hmm. a, a trans... Wow. Well, mm-hmm. Jill Biden announced it, a, mm-hmm. a transgender man as... Woman of the year. Yeah, one of the top something. And uh, somebody got like a woman of courage. That's what it was. One of the the women of courage is this transgender person. I I believe. Uh, We've talked about this. This is the only topic that I don't have any room on. I got room on all kinds of topics, but this is the one I'm like, no, man, sorry. I can't do it. You're Mm -hmm. not going to convince me. Mm -hmm. So what else? We have a couple of uh, pro-life bills coming up next week and let me just say, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I'm very, very honored to be carrying the bills on the floor as a freshman legislator. That's awesome, yeah. One will be uh, Infants Born Alive Protection Act. Uh, I don't know if I spoke about this before, but I have been a doctor involved with taking care of aborted babies who survived, one in particular. And if you think about it, let's say you're an abortion provider and there's a baby born alive. What, what are you going to do? Uh, you either treat the baby as you would any other living baby, or you set it aside to hopefully it's, you know, in your mind, it's too premature and it's going to die quickly, or God forbid, you take the life of the baby. Those are the three choices you have. And in the, in the one I talk about uh, that I experienced, the abortionist set the baby aside, hoped it was too premature, but it kept crying, and so the nurses called me in to save the baby. Mm. I was on the Code Blue team. This bill that we're talking about would make only one legal choice for the abortionist, and that would be to treat that living child as you would any other living child. Just because it was intended to die doesn't mean you're supposed to kill it. And so it's called the Infant uh, Born Alive Infants Protection Act. So I feel very honored to be the one carrying that on the floor. I know just from already my experience with the other side, the other party, they are going to have amendments and they're going to debate and fight. But I am honored to be standing up for these babies. Uh, the other one uh, that uh, I will I'll hopefully also be able to carry is uh, abortion pill reversal. Uh, when you, 
you know, since abortion has become illegal in many states, they've gone mostly to chemical abortions, and so they they take pills and have the have the ba- have the uh, basically miscarriage then at home. Um, on the abortion or the uh, medical abortion pills, the first one you take, you still have about 24, 48 hours that you could reverse it if you changed your mind before you take the final pill and the baby dies. Uh, this would this bill would allow uh, that uh, people buying abortion medication would be given information that it, they can be reversed and how how they can do it. And, and studies show, I've been told studies show that about 25% of women who start the abortion pills have second thoughts and want to reverse it. Uh, 25% is a pretty large number. Mm-hmm. And so this would uh, give them uh, choice, in, uh, actually, and... Uh, let them have information so that they have more control over that. So I'd be happy to carry that also. I, I know the Democrats uh, are very strongly opposed to these things, and so I look forward to lively debate on the House floor. Can you, the, the first one, um, the um, Born Alive one, what kind of arguments are you anticipating? Some really messed up ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are, we're well, I have to... I only ask. I'm I sorry. To, I have to ask because well, I'm have, like, I don't, I, I can't I have, imagine. <laughs> I have answers, but I have to be careful what I say. <laughs> Honestly, I don't want to get you in trouble. Uh, so far, I don't want to be in too much trouble. I've already sure. got in trouble with educational savings accounts. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> no, they. I just Have you heard from others who are like, you said yes, they're going to have amendments they, or whatever. Like, what they are, are they going to. They are opposed. And uh, I've been told there are amendments that they're going to bring against this. I haven't seen the amendments or heard exactly what they are. But I know Planned Parenthood and the abortion lobby is very, very strong and influential. But fortunately, we have a majority pro-life in, in both the House and Senate right now. Um, we'll have to see what they, they bring up. I, in my mind, you know, my simple mind, I can't wrap my mind around wanting to do that. I, you know, if I'm holding a living baby in my hands, I can't imagine anything but trying to help that powerless, innocent person. Right. But there are people who don't think that way. And I, I cannot uh, predict because I just can't wrap my mind around what they're mm-hmm. even thinking. Well, that's why I had to ask because I yeah. couldn't, well, couldn't the, imagine that one. The debate's always been, what is life? Well, I would think if the kid is out in the world and moving around... You've got to be a calloused. Yeah, I don't have a button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, you, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, uh, it's hard for me to even believe we're at the point we are in society on a lot of these issues, whether it's man and woman or pro-life or different things. But we are where we are, and we'll we'll try to use logic and reason to the best of our ability. The other side, I think, is lost on that part. Maybe we should define what that is. Logic and reason. That's a debate mm. to have. <laughs> we oh. can ask our wives. Eesh. That's right. And people are, I don't know, whatever. What else? What else you got? That it? You know, those are, the, those are some of the high points, I guess. Uh, marijuana is dead. Yeah, it died. Yeah, died yesterday. They didn't yesterday. water it. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, Oklahoma. I know well, you guys were waiting for Oklahoma. Well, Oklahoma spoke resoundingly, yeah. it looks like. And... Uh, Tired of people. The Senate, it was all in the Senate's court. It wasn't on the House of Representatives. So the Senate had hearings on 
Wednesday and Thursday. Thursday basically tabled it. So that means it's not going to be a bill this year. Mm. It could be next year. I think since you've been here, I've even softened up a little bit on that because, you know, I'm a proponent of uh, recreational marijuana for a lot of reasons. But I think I was always thinking about the marijuana that I remember as a youth. And this stuff they got now is, man. Yeah, it's about it's seven serious times business. And, and about a week ago, I'm not saying ago, I'm against it. I'm just yeah. saying I'm I'm okay with pulling back reins a little bit and thinking about this. Well, you know, people do what they want to do, but you have to also look at the whole infrastructure behind it. In Oklahoma, it was set up so horribly that yeah. the, the Oklahoma, the deputy director of the Oklahoma Bureau of Investigation came and spoke with us, and he said, please don't do this because they have over 20,000 new marijuana farms in the state of Oklahoma, 20,000. And the cartels, the, the criminal organizations from multiple continents are all involved in running these things. It was set up to, to fail because it's just, you know, the, the marijuana f- farms in, in Oklahoma, if everybody who can legally smoke it, smoked it, it the farms would supply about uh, the, 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 eligible people would take up about 3% of the marijuana that's grown. So the other 97% is going somewhere, and you can only imagine what these uh, organizations are doing. Yeah. And so uh, the infrastructure behind it is very, very worrisome, whether or not you're for, you know, Oh, I'll give uh, you the personals, but uh, Terrible. Yeah. It, it was, uh, it's really sad. It's really sad how, how that's turned out. And uh, uh, I guess the way it, it is now that, People just said recreational came up a few days ago, and they just they just said no way. Yeah, heck of a deal. So that's uh, that's an update, that's legislative update. Nice. Sounds like you got a lot going on, and you go back next week, and you're about done, huh? Yeah, three more weeks, and then we break, and before we come back, try to override vetoes. So it's it's been great, and let me just say I, I'm honored every time I go there. You know, I see the Capitol Dome lit up at night. And I just want to stop the car and just thank God I'm able to work in a place like this and represent people in Montgomery County, and I'm I'm doing my best to represent people in Montgomery County. And I know you know you, most issues you have to take a one or the other stance, or you know you got to limit who you represent in a sense because you got to take a stand. But I, I want to always be sensitive to to my roots right here in Montgomery County and uh, I appreciate people who who give me comments that people disagree with me a lot now no <laughs> they have my text <laughs> my phone number and I, and I am actually open I'll give it out no uh, don't do that okay <laughs> but, but but I I I do hear from constituents and I'm happy to hear from constituents and I and I especially like it when people travel up to Topeka and I'm able to show them around, show them the dome, take them in the basement, show them John Brown's sword, all this really? stuff. Okay, we're and going so, for sure. I yeah. didn't know there was a sword. There is a sword. You <laughs> that's can, the final. That's, that's it. We're going. Yep. And do you know about the sledgehammer? You know I, that one, don't no, you? No, I guess not. Well, there's a sledgehammer in the basement. Okay. Back in the 18, I think it's 1890, the Populist Party and the Republican Party were the two big ones and in one one group thought they won, the other group thought they won, and so the the Republicans got Republicans got locked out of the state house, and they barred the doors, and they were having Congress, and they wouldn't let the Republicans in. So the Republicans went, and got a sledgehammer, busted down the door, and went in there to vote. And so they, it all it all ended up there were people with guns and all this stuff. It was really kind of dramatic, 
but uh, <laughs> that sledgehammer is still in the basement. And so, you know, sometimes I'll, I, Doug Lex is my my uh, seatmate, you know, my guy sitting right. next to me in the chamber. I'll, you know, something will be happening in the chamber, and I'll say, you know, we need to go get the sledgehammer, you know. Oh, man. But uh, <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's great. There's a lot of history there. If you walk up to the dome, it's it's really uh, several stories tall to walk up this narrow staircase up there, and you could see where people, you know, John was here, eighteen sixty seven. Really, you know, people from the eighteen hundreds wrote That's things neat. up there, and it's just a neat place to to see historically. So come on it up. Is. Yeah, we've been talking about doing it. We need to bring our. But you're not there on Friday, correct? Well, probably from now on on Friday, possibly, but busy. That means you, busy. you let me know. We'll, we'll figure, figure it out. Yeah, we'll yeah. figure it out. Awesome. Mrs. Bryce, you got anything you want to add before we leave? Well, thanks for letting me be in the cave. Are you uh, <laughs> Are you running next time? Running for whatever. Hard and fast the other Senator. direction. Yeah. <laughs> Governor. What you know? She's going to be a city commissioner, man. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I like to tell. Oh, okay. I tell everybody that they're going to be the city commissioner. Nice. uh, Everybody kind of looks at me like, no, that's not the job I want. County commissioner, I guess it is. There you go. Oh, is that a thing? I guess it is. Yeah, it is a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, wait. I'm. I've already got a title, right? That's right. Baroness of the Bean. Baroness of the Bean. Yeah. Yeah. Bean counter. Things like that. Uh. Anyway, thank you. And you guys got stuff going on locally though too, right? You're the proprietors of Coffeeville Coffee. Yeah, shameless plug. We have coffeevillecoffee.com, mm-hmm. and we've tried to promote Coffeeville through that. Notable people from Coffeeville. Yeah. Best coffee you'll drink. And then uh, our family has, our daughter, son-in-law, has Hershey's ice cream downtown, so that's a good little treat down there. We have a stack of cookies in there right now. There's a friend of ours in Alaska, Denali Brett, who lives... Uh, not a real far distance from Fairbanks, but he's he's gotten a bag of uh, Caulfield Coffee. I've yet to hear a uh, review on it, but he's got a bag of Wayward Sun up there. Awesome. So I'm looking <coughs> awesome. forward to seeing how you like that. All well, right. And and Hershey's ice cream and coffee, and they, of course, has our coffee being served through their espresso bar. That is good stuff. It is good stuff. I like something right now. And when like they put the, like, right the ice cream in it, it's awesome. Oh, an affogato. There it is. Oh. Ah, uh, it's my, my favorite word. Yeah, favorite. your son-in-law so, made me a little flower in my. Uh, it means he, he really loves you, <laughs> yeah. Justin. Um, yeah, so the the affogato is is the ice cream and then an espresso shot over it, and then they add the chocolate or nuts yes. or whatever you want. It's just so phenomenal. So Everything good. you want. Good lord, that's a lot of stuff going on there. <laughs> he goes, "What do you want in this?" I said, "Milk and coffee." I'm gonna drink it like a man on the that's way what, home. Oh. And he just like. Okay. So he gave you a flower. <laughs> yeah, he gave you a flower. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, some of that coffee is really good. We go oh, every once oh. in a while, we'll go to some fancy coffees. And she's like, I thought you were the one that made fun of uh, fancy coffee. And, this guy has yeah. the most complex order. I didn't, oh. I didn't, I didn't put it on. Complicated order, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I like strong coffee too. So it's no like foam, quad shot. Foam. Well, my brother oh, wow. told me I was getting screwed on the coffee with all the foam. So I went up there and went, I don't want no foam. But I didn't do that up here because, you know, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Starbucks, though, no foam. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming by. Thanks for and having we us. We look forward to seeing you again. Uh, your friend Doug was here a couple weeks ago. Doug Blux. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was a good He that left. Was a good uh, he left. Too. Uh, 
deer sausage. That's right. Yes. Ooh. It was good. Yeah, he, he feeds did. me deer sausage at the state house. He's a That's great nice. guy. You guys got like your own little yeah, he... charcuterie board there at the desk? <laughs> I you know, how gonna say it. you know, we'll be sitting there and there'll be some debate, you know, this man versus woman bill or this tax bill and he'll he'll lean over and he'll throw some beef jerky or something on me. <laughs> you know, like that yeah, way he, you guys don't get hangry. Well, you know, that's right. We're at the point of this session where a lot of these play, a lot of these days are going to go past midnight, you know. Mm. So we'll be there and they, we're not allowed to leave. Really? You can't leave the building? You know. Can they door dash for you? No, well, we're, <laughs> I'm going to find out about this. But uh, we you know, I've learned to keep food in my yeah. in my I have a little desk and it has a drawer it has two drawers in it. So I keep a bottle of water and some chips or something in there because you never know when you're going to be stuck for eight or ten hours. No, wow. Jeez. I didn't know that it was a... Uh, yes, yeah, torture. Can't leave kind of a deal. <laughs> they come in with a water hose and spray you down occasionally. <laughs> yeah. Wow, they're starting to stink. No, I will say, fortunately, we have Coffeeville Coffee in the state house so yeah. I really go, I, yeah right behind nice. the speaker you know you watch and the speakers up there in the like the captain kirk chair up yeah, there and, yeah and behind him is a coffee pot with coffee or coffee so awesome how'd you score that deal well you know he likes me oh okay <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks everybody for listening as always please go over to wkopodcast.com and check it out merch donations and just info in general and i guess we'll see you in what Maybe this weekend. Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm assuming. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk more probably tomorrow. We'll talk about you when you're gone. Mm-hmm. No, not too much. All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs>